Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of FanRex Sports Premier League Podcast. My name is Sebastian Noren, with me is Pauly Costell. Elliot is still rummaging about in Japan, so we'll be without him for this episode as well. So we hope he's having a good time. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Champions League final. We're all winning back-to-back titles. Then we'll get into some news from uh, around the soccer world, mostly Premier League, of course. And then we'll take a look ahead at Team USA as they have two important World Cup qualifiers coming up here against Trinidad and Tobago and Mexico. So to kick things off, we got that Champions League final. Real Madrid took a 4-1 win over Juventus at the National Millennium Stadium, I should say, in Cardiff. And after- no, isn't it called like the... Na- oh, no, it's the National... I guess that's because of yeah. UEFA. Yeah. That they can't call it Millennium Stadium. Oh, okay. Yep. That's so dumb. UEFA has such dumb rules. Yeah, just call it what it's called. Yeah. Yep. It's not... Like, I understand when they do it for sponsorship reasons, but, like, it's... Is Millennium Stadium a sponsorship? I, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's see. Currently, it's currently known as the Principality Stadium because of sponsorship purposes. There we go. So, anywho, four-to-one uh, win for Real Madrid. Uh, you know, pretty, I would say, very even, or not even, even. Juventus were the better team in the first half. It was 1-1 after 45 minutes. Then Real jumped out in the second half, grabbed three goals, and brought home a second straight title here. Uh, Pauly, I mean, did you feel like Juventus had a chance to actually win this if they would have converted a couple more of their chances in the first half? Yeah, well, I mean, it was a tale of two halves. In the first half, you, you definitely thought that. Uh in the first half, it really looked like Juventus were the better team. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, they were controlling the ball. They were they were pushing the pace. Uh, Real Madrid, everything that Real Madrid tried to do got snuffed out immediately. Um, uh, they they actually Pjanic had that had that shot where Keylor Navas made a fantastic save on, and it really looked like Juventus were the better team, and, and that it was a really good game back and forth, and it could be anyone's anyone's game then Ronaldo goes ahead and scores and suddenly you're like oh this might be a bit of an issue and then Mario Mandzukic unleashes probably the best goal you'll ever see in a final ever I still hold Sedan's better or above it but... no uh-huh. no you get the hell out of here with that he hit that Sedan like side like you know Mandzukic had his back to the net and chipped the goalie yeah I'm, I, I mean, it's a great goal. I would put it up there in the top three or top five or whatever, but I still hold Sedans as the numero uno. What I would have, what I would have thrown in there would have been Zidane chipping that penalty in the World Cup final. That's a good one too, but as far as Champions League finals go, I would say no. Sedans. Ah, uh, that's ah, uh, no way. Um, no, I'm sorry. That, that goal, it's just, it's just not going to be topped. It was a beautiful goal. I'm not taking anything away from it. It's just my personal preference. Sedan's better. All right. Well, anyway, he unleashes that to tie the game up and, uh, keep things 
so they tied the game up, and it really looked like it would be anybody's game at halftime. And then the second was out, and Real Madrid just blew them out of the water. Uh, it was it was a different game. It, the, the the class between the two teams really showed. Um, yeah, Casemiro had that great strike in the 61st to give them the lead, and then Ronaldo scored his second of the game, which also meant that he overtook Lionel Messi as the top scorer of the tournament. And then... Um, Marco Asensio scored the last goal there in the final minute of the game. Uh, how did you think that Felix Brich or Brick, the German referee, handled this game? Very well. I didn't think he lost control. I thought he let a lot of things go, which was fine. You know, like it was consistently letting things go. Mm-hmm. Um, he got the red card se- severely wrong. Um, you know that, but that's Sergio Ramos making a huge deal out of nothing, which is uh, what Sergio Ramos does. Mm-hmm. And uh, a funny story is I saw on Twitter someone said Sergio Ramos and Diego Costa are standing next to each other. You get to punch one of them in the face. Who do you punch? <laughs> and the most brilliant answer was, "It doesn't matter. You punch one of them, they'll both act like they got hit and fall down." There you go. And, and I mean, that's just, that's what Sergio Ramos does. So he got the red card wrong, but for the most part, he was letting the teams be physical. He was letting them play. Uh, he was, you know, he was calling fouls that were fouls, but he wasn't, you know, quick to reach to his pocket and, and, you know, turn the game on its head by dishing out a bunch of yellow cards early. I thought he had a really good game. Yeah. No, I, I think that it was a lot of first he would talk to you. He would give you, a, depending on how severe the foul was, then he would give you a stern warning. And if you continued, then it was like, okay, well, you know, you've earned it now. Here's the yellow card, which I'm totally, it, totally. The funny story with. is when when they showed when they showed the ref, and I was like, well, I have no idea who who uh, that guy is. And I was like, I guess that's a good thing because the only ref that I know outside of England is Jonas Eriksson. who's here terrible. Um, bec- yeah, exactly. Yep. The Swedish ref who somehow I know of because he's that bad. And then guess who turns up to ref the U.S. versus Venezuela game at the U-20 World Cup? Yep. Yeah, I mean, Felix Bruch, he's, uh, he's he's been around. He uh, refereed. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've recognized him because I, I watch uh, a lot of the Bundesliga, but mm-hmm. I would never... I would never know what his name was or pick him out. Like oh, okay. I've just been like, oh, I've seen him do games before. Okay. Yeah, the last big game he refereed was the 2014 uh, Europa League final. Uh, yeah, but the Europa League didn't matter back then, so I didn't watch that final. <laughs> yeah, he's been uh, refereeing in the Bundesliga since 2004. Damn. He started early because he's only 41 years old. Claddy started early too, I think. Yeah, I mean, that that's cool, I guess. He can keep things going for a while longer. Uh, so we, we spoke in our last episode that if Real Madrid win, win this tournament again, you know, becoming the first back-to-back champion since Milan in 89-90, and if they do a good job in the league next season that, you know, they're a modern dynasty or dynasty. Uh, 
I still Did you hear just Dynasty? Uh, Dynasty Dynasty Aluminium Aluminium uh, no! No, 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 one says dynasty. I'm not so sure about that, but anywho, how would you rank this team? They're really good, but they should be really good. Um, you know, they only buy the best players, so... They should be really good, and they have now – they've just finally found someone, uh, the manager, to be able to do it. So, like, this is like when the Yankees stumbled upon – or didn't stumble upon, but brought in Joe Torre, who was less of a manager and more of someone that can get all these egos to coexist inside one dressing room. Or Phil Jackson, who – for the Bulls and the Lakers, who – was less of a, a coach than a guy who, you know, knew how to stroke Michael Jordan's ego while getting everybody else involved and, and existing with him. And he knew how to how to balance out Shaq and Kobe and get everybody else to work around him. So Zidane comes in and, you know, he has the same players that everybody else has. But first of all, he command and I was just reading this article yesterday that he commands the respect of of all the players because he's done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's a winner and everything. Uh, apparently Rafa Benitez last year, like tried to change the way that Cristiano Ronaldo took free kicks. And why Ronaldo was just like, who the hell are you to tell me to do that? Versus Zidane comes in here and has a free kick competition with Ronaldo and beats him. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's things like that. And, 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 and Zidane spoke to Ronaldo this year and said, like, we're going to change the way, like, we're going to change the way you attack the season to try to prolong yourself. Like, and he said, you got to stop being obsessed with like being the top goal scorer in La Liga. Like, that's not what's important. What's important is that you have energy at the end of the season. And he rested him in, in, in sometimes. And, and it's because the Don has that, um, has that moxie, I guess that commands the respect. The players are going to listen. And this goes back to like what I said at the beginning of the season, when, when United won their first three games, we brought in those players, and I said, get rid of Jose Mourinho now. Like, you know, Real Madrid don't need a tactician. They have Ronaldo. They have Bale. They have Modric. They have uh, Tony Kroos. They have Benzema. They have James Rodriguez. They have Isco. That, like, they have so many people that it's like your manager just needs to get you to say, you know, do what you guys do well and let me figure out a way to, to maximize how you guys do well as opposed to bringing in someone like Carlo Ancelotti or Jose Mourinho or Rafa Benitez where it's like, we're going to play my way. You know, like you don't need to do that because you don't need to make this sum, you know, you don't need to make the final product greater than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. The way that, you know, like uh, Claude Poole has to do at Southampton or uh, like... Um, you know, what what Roberto Martinez had to do at Everton, like, or what the U.S. has to do whenever, whoever their manager is. You know, the manager has to make inferior teams, you have to make them better than the sum of your parts. This team is superior to everybody. You know, you just, if you're the manager, you need to come in and say, how do I get the best out of all my players? And Zidane is probably not a tactical genius. Most players that played with him were surprised when he became the coach because they said, I don't think he would make a successful coach. The way everybody 
you know, says Gary Neville and, and Ryan Giggs and Paul Scholes would all make successful coaches because they know the game so well. No one said that about Zidane. But he came in and he just – he figured out a way to make everybody – succeed to the best of their abilities yeah but that, that's because he was such a he wasn't the most tactical player when he was playing i mean he was a lot of it was just instinct and pure skill he was so good on the ball he i mean talk about you know of his generation he was one of the best players in his generation and right. a but- lot of, a lot of the times we see players like that you know what has marco van basten done as a manager nothing what has Rude Kule done? Nothing. Frank Raycard, nothing. I mean, exactly. And right, like it's it's very hard for a player who who wasn't, you know, who did it all because, like natural and on instinct. Mm-hmm. It's very hard for him to be to be a good coach. Wayne Gretzky was like a <laughs> terrible coach. Yep. Because it's hard. It's hard to to say like. It's hard to tell a player like just go where you feel is the right place to go when you know in where you feel is the right place to go and usually is isn't as you don't think on the same level as all these other players yeah yep i mean it's in diego maradona same thing there so yeah um, it's it's into a system like what's that gonna do for you well well um let's grab a couple of headlines here unfortunately check teote passed away uh, the former Newcastle midfielder died at age 30 after collapsing during a training session in China um, I mean, what are the two things you think of when you think of Czech Teote well I already saw your tweet so it is I, I do agree with that though it's the yellow cards and and that goal set us up for us uh, that, yeah well the two things that I always think of when I think of Chick Teote are lots of yellow cards and that goal against Arsenal. Yep. Now, my other question here, uh, it's a little bit of a change of topic. How come everybody's career-defining goal seems to happen against Arsenal? I don't know. Maybe because off there's the top a, of my head, off a lot the top of eyeballs on them. Of, I'm thinking of the Teote strike, uh, the Danny Rose strike. Mm-hmm. Right. Wayne Rooney's Wayne Rooney's goal for Everton. Yeah. Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs. Oh, that's a good one. Oh yeah. That is that is one of the best goals ever. Yeah. Um I mean Chi Sung Park pretty much only scored against Arsenal. Yep. <sighs> I mean Ronaldo had that like forty five yard free kick, although I would say in his in a United shirt his best goal would be would probably be the uh, one against Porto, but yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, other headlines: uh, Eden Hazard will miss the start of the season after uh, returning to London for surgery on a fractured ankle. So uh, that's bad for Chelsea. Good for everyone else. Uh, well, I guess it's bad for Belgium as well, of course. So, he yeah. also said that he would entertain it. He would listen to an offer from Real Madrid. So yeah, I don't know how. I mean, do you feel like they should be worried? No. I mean, it's. I'm, I'm, they're not bringing. They're I'm, not bringing in Hazard unless they lose. Unless they lose Gareth Bale, and they're not losing Gareth Bale because that's the transfer that never dies. That's put into the. Into the article that that's just put into the papers every year by Ed Woodward, and 
Yeah, and I, it's I, never I, actually gonna happen. No, and Bale has what five years left on his deal, and he's the third best player, paid player in Europe. So yeah, United aren't getting him. So I mean, where are you gonna play? I don't think they're gonna give. I don't think they're gonna lose Hamas. Like Hamas, maybe. Maybe, but all right. Even then, they have Isco. You yeah. know, every all the fans wanted. Uh, they wanted Isco to start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Juventus—they've uh, agreed with a uh, or agreed with Arsenal for a deal of Wojciech Szczesny. So I guess he'll um, back up Gigi Buffon here, unless uh, Buffon. Yeah, I mean, he's... Okay, yeah, Buffon has one year left on his deal. I mean, if Buffon wants to stay, he'll stay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a bad gig. He'll get some games in. Signed yeah. a uh, four-year contract with Juventus. <laughs> uh, transfer, let's see. The transfer fee is said to be around 14 million pounds. I mean, that's not too bad. And then uh, Liverpool have agreed with personal terms with Mohamed Salah, but they still need to come up with a, uh, a nego- you know, negotiate a fee with Roma. Um, do we? F- how do you feel about Salah? I mean, is this a player do you feel like Klopp can turn into something truly great? Uh, look at what he did with with Sane. So it's probably a good move. Yeah. yeah. And I saw that Roma, if they do sell Salah, that they're looking at Emil Forsberg, who's played really well for Leipzig. It's just, it's it's a breath of fresh air that Liverpool are going shopping outside of Southampton. Yes. Oh, yes. But they are... Apparently very close to, to signing Van Dyke. Yes, and so. paying a lot of money. So and they do, Van... they do seem to ex- exclusively shop at the same store every year, even though that store stopped being trendy a few years ago. Yep. And then there's still rumors about Chelsea wanting Bonucci. I mean I can I can totally understand why, but how much would he cost? Because I don't think Juventus, they're not in a position where they have to sell. So they no. they would just have it would, it they would, would have a... to they would have to come with a ridiculous amount of money where they could just be like, well, shit, this is just too good of an offer to turn down. Exactly. Uh, what else should we say? Fellini scored the winner for Belgium as they played a friendly against the Czech Republic. They won two to one. Machi or Michi Bachuai scored the other one. Someone buy him. <laughs> Please. So yeah. So this this doesn't help. Mourinho's gonna be someone. like, look look what he did for Belgium. Look what he did for Belgium. Someone buy him. Yep. Please. Mm-hmm. And then we should say that Arsenal are reportedly hot on Riyad Morris, who stated that he wants to leave Leicester. Okay. Okay. Hmm? Maybe you guys could go after Jamie Vardy again. Hey, I mean, if you got a 
front trio of Ozil, Mares, and Sanchez. That's not bad. I did check the uh, Germany squad for the Confederations Cup, and Ozil is not in there. So that is unfortunate. Mm. So we will not get season after an international tournament Ozil. But I can tell you that Alexis Sanchez is very much in the squad for Chile. And uh, as is Arturo Vidal, Chile are really going to have a go at this tournament. Yeah, why not? I mean, and and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Argentinian guy on Fox, I forgot his name. Um, but, it, you know, he was saying Chile are going to be the team to look out for in this tournament because it, it can literally be three straight summers with a trophy. Mm-hmm. Between the Copa America, the Copa America, and the Copa... I mean, they have... They have a they good have team, one, I mean... Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players on their roster have over 70 caps. Yeah. Yeah, they're bringing the big guns. Yeah, they have a good team. They have a good team, so why not take a stab at it? Let's move over also, to... Also, I, mm-hmm. I was reading the, uh, the rules for squad selection, and it makes no sense. So each team must first name a preliminary squad of 30 players. Uh, from the preliminary squad, the team must name a final squad of 23 players, three of whom must be goalkeepers, by the FIFA deadline. Mm-hmm. Players in the final squad may be replaced due to serious injury up to 24 hours prior to kickoff of the team's first match, where the replacement players do not need to be in the preliminary squad. So what the hell is the point of the preliminary squad? Good question. Like what? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that that's weird. Like, I mean, I feel like it should have been out of those, you know, right, seven players. 30, you yeah, out of the it. yeah those seven who does don't make it. You pick one of those. That makes no sense. Welcome to the world of international soccer. Welcome to FIFA, where now Qatar is in hot water again. Yep. So FIFA really picking winners in back-to-back World Cups. Although that's a story from seven years ago. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> like we knew this was going to happen. Yeah, apparently they got that stadium up and running now with air conditioning. Does it work? Yeah, they played the the first game there. It was I forgot how hot it was outside, but let's say it was a hundred outside and it was like seventy or something inside. So, that's not bad. Okay, let's move on to the World Cup qualifiers here. And, of course, we're going to pay extra attention to the U.S. and a two very important games come up here. First, we got Trinidad and Tobago on the 8th. And then on the 11th, it's an away game to Mexico at the Estadio Azteca in Mexico City. Let's start things off, though. That home game against Trinidad and Tobago. Pauly, they have to win this game. Oh, no doubt. I mean, we're talking we're talking four points. Is would We'd be thrilled with four points right now. But also, everybody's kind of talking like, yeah, we should get four points in this. Like, we should be able to go and, you know, obviously, Ooh. like, based on, based on history and the fact that we've lost one home game since, like, 1990 um, – don't quote me on that, but okay. since after 94 yeah. or since like 2002, I believe. I think it's, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 15 years, I think we've lost one home game. Um, 
you know, we probably will beat Trinidad and Tobago. But to actually assume that we would go to Azteca and get a point is like lunacy because we've only done that one other time, mm-hmm. one time in World Cup qualifying. And that happened to be last time where our manager happened to be Jurgen Klinsmann, who everybody has been saying for the duration of his career was like, oh, we want to run this guy out of town. He's a terrible manager. And now everybody says, well, we got a point there last time. We should be able to do it again. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, a point from that game would be gravy. I feel yeah, like, it would be amazing, yeah. but you have to remember, and, and I mean, here's the hard part is we usually, usually we lose two games in qualifiers. So, used, and they're both away games, so usually it's Mexico and somebody else. Last time around, we drew Mexico, but we, we dropped a game to Honduras and I think Jamaica. So, it just, it makes, it, it's, you know, you have to make sure that you get draws in all these other away games, especially because we already lost a home game that, that is a loss. You know, you, you even have to almost win an extra away game, mm-hmm. which is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy to go to Panama and win. It's not going to, you know, the last time we went to Trinidad and Tobago, we didn't score a goal. And that was like a year ago. Yeah, but that, that game was also played on, what was it, Potato Field? Yeah, but that's every Seb. You got to learn this now. <laughs> I you're know. American. I know. That's every Concacaf field. Yeah. I feel like there should be some standards, though. And if you can't, if you can't maintain a good piece of grass, then just put in the artificial turf. Just do it. Well, I don't. I I th- I think at this point it's intentional. Yeah. Because I don't understand. How, like it's not you. It's not like Central America is a region of the world where grass doesn't really grow. True. So, like, just you know, at a certain point, FIFA, who sits on all these on all this money and wants to make the game a better place, like, how about giving countries money to flatten out their national stadiums and like help them maintain it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, why not do that? And then because that will make your country a better, you know, football. Nobody wants to watch these games. No one. So you know, you play the. They're CONCACAF right now is, is in discussions of making World Cup qualifying longer because most teams, you know, we're down, we're a year out of the World Cup and we have six teams left. And it's been like that for about a year or half a year. But before that, we had 12 teams left. You know, like we're two and a half years out of the World Cup and there's only 12 out of 50 something teams in. And it's there, you know, it's they say it's hard for teams to reach out to sponsors when, you know, it's 2015, and they're like, well, when's your next important game going to be? And they're like, uh, 2019. Yeah. You know, our next important game isn't for another four years. And it's like, well, so yeah, you do want more teams involved in the World Cup, but start with this. Like, make it a game that people want to watch. No one wants to watch a game where like, if the ball can't bounce or is, is a bouncy pitch, like, make teams maintain a field. Mm-hmm. And you could grow from there. Then, then these teams can develop players and, and actually play entertaining style of play. I mean, if no, I totally if agree Belgium with you. and if Belgium and all the small European countries can find really good players with within their small populations, these countries can develop really good players too if they have the field to play on. Yeah. So, and then we should note too that the second game against Mexico is being played on the 11th, while the other two games, Panama against Honduras and Costa Rica against Trinidad and Tobago, are being played on the 13th. And that's because Mexico are participating in the Confederations Cup. 
So they need some more time to prep for that. Uh, Mexico, they have two home games. And before they take on the U.S., they will play Honduras. And uh, Costa Rica play at home against Panama. Uh, quick look at the table, though. We find Mex- That's bad for the U.S. They better... Yeah. Yeah, we got Mexico. get something. Mexico in front with 10 points, then Costa Rica second with 7, Panama third with 5 points, USA fourth with 4 points, Honduras fifth also 4 points and then Trinidad and Tobago in sixth with 3 points. So I mean this yeah, this is uh especially they can't afford to drop points against Trinidad and Tobago. I don't think they will, but you know if they do, it would be catastrophical because that means that then the away game to Mexico is a must-win. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. I still they, they have to outplay Panama the rest of the way. Like that is what it comes down to. And again, like they they're not going to drop points to Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, it was unfortunate that they really got nothing going against against Venezuela in a friendly where Venezuela like brought a bunch of kids, but huh, that just, that came down to uh, Michael Bradley refusing to push the pace of play. Mm-hmm. And until, you know, we're, we have the ability, you know, Bradley was not very influential in that game against, I believe Panama in Seattle or wherever, what Portland or wherever that last world cup qualifier was. Uh, that was uh, a way, a way to Panama. No, 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 the one before that, the, the one that we won. Uh, the like six 6-0 nothing to Hond- against Honduras. Yeah, that was in yeah. San Jose. That was that was Christian Pulisic just running wild over the field. If you don't have that and you have Michael Bradley trying to do it, yeah. then you run into issues because, you know, we're going to be capable of doing that against bad teams, but it's against everybody else. We're only going to be so good until when, unless, you know, we're going to have issues if, if our central midfielder, whose job is to push the, the pace of play and, and get the ball up to our really creative wingers. I mean, you had Fabian Johnson, who's one of the best wingers in the Bundesliga. You have uh, Darlington Nagby, who was pretty good with the ball at his feet. I I still don't think he's done anything in a national team shirt, but he's shown shown creativity. You have Pulisic playing alongside them, who can do everything and is our best player. You have Dempsey, who can operate in space and score goals. And and is a poacher finisher in the box, and your Bobby Wood who stretches defenses, like go push the ball up the field. There's a reason that we're only playing with one holding midfielder, and that's so that we could push the ball up the field. And if you have a guy who's playing Louis Van Gaal ball, where he's just looking to slow it down and square and square balls and give the defense time to get back, you're always going to have issues. Now against Mex, now the way we came out there, um, playing in this in this lineup where where. Bradley was the only holding midfielder. I thought it was a good move by Bruce Arena. Uh, I actually mildly might have became a Bruce Arena fan after from watching this game. I thought it was a good move because against any CONCACAF team at home, you don't need a second holding midfielder. So might as well get your creative attacking players in the game. Let Pulisic run around in the middle. Bradley will do what Bradley does. You don't. Most teams come into America and they just sit back and they look to counter. You don't need that second holding midfielder. You cannot go into the Mexico game like that. And people were saying like, oh, against good teams, this formation like would get destroyed. Yes, but right now we're preparing to play Trinidad and Tobago. We're not plan. We're not preparing to play Germany and Me- and 
Portugal and Argentina and France, we're not preparing to play those teams in the World Cup right now. We're preparing to play Trinidad. And yeah, then we're going to prepare to play Mexico. And against Mexico, you would want a second holding midfielder behind or a second midfielder behind Pulisic to let Pulisic run free. Mm -hmm. And we did that in the second half. We switched to a back three, which I've been saying for a while now is ultimately going to be the U.S.'s best formation. Um, it's unfortunate that like, we didn't get to see the back three with the people that would actually be in it because Jeff Cameron already came out of the game. John Brooks left injured. But Kellen Acosta came in to slide back. Dempsey came off. And ultimately, I think you know within a year or two, that's how the U.S. is going to look. You're going to have Bobby Wood up top as the lone striker because he can be the lone striker, which yep. Dempsey and Altidore cannot be. Bobby Wood can be. And you'll have Pulisic playing in a uh, in that central attacking area. And behind him, you'll have Bradley, unfortunately, because we can't get rid of Bradley. Uh, and you'll have somebody else who could very well be Kellen Acosta. He would be very good in that role. And then you throw Fabian Johnson and uh, DeAndre Yedlin on the wings as your wingbacks, if you want. Or you could push Johnson even up further. It, it could be a very good and dangerous dangerous team and, I, and it was good to see them play that way for about the last 40 minutes of the game unfortunately they couldn't get any any goals but i think they'll be ready to take on trinidad and tobago okay so before we say goodbye we'll need some scoring predictions first off the game against trinidad and tobago four nil okay i was gonna say three nil so um and then the mexico game i'm gonna be optimistic i'm gonna say one one yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So, uh, but I mean, they played. They should have played. I mean, they essentially played it out to one-one in Columbus. Ah, uh, U.S. should have taken that two-one lead, but Michael Brown didn't pass the ball. Yep, and then Rafa Marquez scored the winner in the 88th minute. Oh well, it happens. It happens. Uh, with that, we'll say goodbye. We'll talk to you again. I was going to say later in the week, but it will probably be early next week after these two qualifiers. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.